Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The husband might say something and the wife will say, I've never heard you say that before. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. Before we get started, just to let you know, this episode is intended to be general information only as the host and the guests do not know your personal circumstances. So let's get into it. Farm business success is the topic of this conversation and we'll be joined by Matt Mann from Life Solver, based up there in the New England area of New South Wales, we'll be talking about how he's getting farming families to their successful goals may change very differently from you and to your neighbour, but we'll get some good key takeaways that we can take home from this episode. Let's get into it. Well, Matt, welcome to the Farms Advice podcast. Great to have you on. I've been trying to lock you down for quite a while. Like many of my guests trying to put a seatbelt on them is the most interesting part. Um, maybe for them, but not for me trying to hand you down. How's everything going with you? Yeah, great. And thanks for having me, Jack. Now, it's always welcoming to get some expertise, um, new expertise onto the podcast, different realms, different regions. Um, and you're actually in the region of where I went to university. How's the weather? How's it going up there for farmers around? Uh, look, it's it's really wet up here at Armidale at the moment. And but look, not as wet as some other areas. Uh, currently, Victoria is extremely wet, but um, look, the ground is just so wet. So any rain that does happen, and it's creating challenges uh, around here with grazing, you know, with the likes of bloat and cattle being blown and worms with sheep. And, and then there's some sort of having coffee this morning with a farmer after swimming and, um, you know, he's lost quite a few cattle and he, he wasn't sure... It, whether it was blowed or not and the actual vet doesn't know what it is so there's some mystery deaths going on as well so 
you know, farming's a challenge. Absolutely. And tackling those challenges from the day-to-day activities, our routine, and also to those sort of larger questions that we might talk about today, how we can be set up for the next events coming ahead, prepare ourselves as farmers, but even as the employee, I think what we'll chat about will be quite motivational as well to get that sort of mindset into the way of thinking, especially if you're looking to take over a place um, out there, whether it be within family or you're looking to get into farming, this is a great sort of template to look at um, for guidance, but of course, go see your professional advisors for more information. But for today, we're going to be looking at a topic um, that you've been working with, with your own clients, but also surrounding yourself within the community. Are you running a lifestyle or a business? How important is that sort of statement to think about and sort of transfer your um, your prerequisites towards running the business rather than the lifestyle? Well, look, I suppose, you know, that's the thing here, Jack. When you're running a farm uh, in a farming family situation, you know, life's, the, your lifestyle and the business are so intertwined. And um, and so, yeah, that, that pre- presents its own challenges when it comes to that. And so, um, you know, I suppose it's important to find some way to be able to, you know, differentiate the two Um so that, you know, it's pretty clear that when we're working on the business, this is what's going on and this is what we're focused on and and we're not, um, you know, we're enjoying ourselves and we're all talking at Christmas, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, that's the end goal, to have profitable um, outcomes, being to be profitably sustainable and also that family connection, especially for the family farmers, and also within corporate sort of family farms, a lot of family farms are moving up to that level of corporate farming as well. And keeping that family dynamic running um, as well as it can is the best outcome we can have as farmers. Oh, and, and you're spot on there, Jack, because like I suppose what I'm seeing, uh, you know, with farm sizes increasing with scale and then also in particular with the increase in value of farms, you know, farmers are high net worth, these families and um, you know it's uh, operating it as a business and bringing business fundamentals in uh, is you know is is vitally important to you know that future certainly is and before we get stuck into agribusiness um, switching around from agriculture to business thinking that mindset um, what's your background Matt and how is it connected to the role that you're in today How'd you get to where? Uh, I'll give you a quick review. Uh, so, uh, originally from Melbourne, uh, Victoria, and look, I caught the bus to Gundawindi straight after finishing school, and worked out at Bollin in southwest Queensland as a jackaroo. And look, I did a three years of jackarooing and a couple of years at um, Marcus Oldham down at Geelong. Um, but because I didn't have a farm to go back to. Um, I chose to continue studying and so I couldn't actually get into university as a mature age student in Melbourne. So I had a friend up here in Armidale who'd had a year here. He'd been in Rob College. And uh, so I came up with him in the car and got down on two knees or whatever to the sub-dean of UNE and got into accounting here. Did an accounting degree plus worked at a local accounting practice. Uh, Worked at Ernst & Young in Sydney in their sort of agribusiness audit division, mainly doing, yeah, agribusiness style work. Yep. And then back to the accounting firm in Varel, 
um, had a business training farmers uh, in, you know, software like Phoenix and uh, another program called PAM and doing consultancy type work. And then I worked at Rabobank for a while as a banker and then moved into um, financial planning and been working in financial planning and accounting. And now we're doing an element of coaching uh, with farming families and what we're doing right now. And that's sort of really bringing together all of the things in terms of my background and um, working with farming families. So, yeah, that's a quick overview, Jack. Quite the experience leading up from Melbourne. What was the first ticket to get you up on the bus um, to go up to Boland? Uh, look, actually, I a couple of things. I My mother was from a farming background and she was at um, Panola and then we did have a farm at Warcall in southern New South Wales. Uh, my father was a doctor, so he bought the front half and then my grandfather and uncle bought the back half of the farm. So we used to go up there, really used to enjoy it. And then when I was at school in Melbourne, uh, we had a careers night and one of the guys from Marcus Oldham was there and I thought, oh, that looks pretty good um, to me. So I, you know, chose to go and do the the whole jackarooing thing and, yeah, it was fantastic. That's a go. Unreal and you haven't looked back thus far. Going really well. Yeah, look, it's been, it's been, it's been great. A, a fair bit of variety there along the way, but um, I suppose, you know, that, that, that's a good thing too. So we evolve. <laughs> Certainly is in a great way to be able to do that as well, evolve and be flexible in your working and getting outside of your comfort zone. And it looks like you found your comfort zone here in agriculture. You just want to give us a little bit of an intro and give yourself a plug for what Life Solver is and what you're doing for clients. Yeah, so look, the business is Life Solver. Um, and look, uh, the main focus for farming families for us is what we call farm business success. And so most simplest way of explaining that is that, you know, I'm not here telling uh, my clients how to run their farm. They're good at running their farm. Um, I'm really there to help when it comes to the business side of running a farm in partnership with the farming family. And, and that's really, you know, it's, I call it farm business success. You know, it, it's, it's a program, but it's very bespoke. It's really just about, look, the first part of it is having a vision meeting and based on that vision, determining what the pain points are, and it's not up to me to decide what the program's going to be. It's really about the farming family. And even yesterday, I had a call uh, with a with a prospective client yesterday, and you know the common pain points are obviously look, you know, doing their cash flows. Look, they're, they're busy spending time out in the office, out in the farm, doing the. $20 an hour work and not getting into the office to do the $200 an hour work, like, you know, forecasting, budgeting and succession planning obviously puts on, gets put on hold and, you know, how to grow the business. So, you know, if you've got three, three boys all keen to be on the farm, you know, it's a challenge with, with land prices being where they are now to, to be able to grow that business. So yeah, look, it's, it's not about me. It's about, who it is that I'm working with and what what they're seeking to achieve uh, in terms of their, you know, their vision for the future. Where there's a will, there's a way. And it's interesting that you said that you're, it's a partnership with the family farmers that you're working with and it's actually a working relationship rather than just, this is the sort of options that you have um, and that continuum of um, that relationship as well, rolling through and sort of generating 
the options there with them, but also trying to get to that success, that wealth as a family farm. Yeah, and exactly. Look, and wealth not just about um, money. Uh, sorry, success. Part of me is not just about money and wealth. It's um, you know, how do we work as a team? Uh, how do we ensure we can continue to talk to each other at Christmas? Because you know, all the time we all hear this. You know, we've got brothers that no longer talk to each other uh, because of what transpired and. You know, and, and the common thing is, you know, with succession planning that I hear over and over again, I just don't want it to be the same as what I went through with my parents. And look, no offence to the generation before, that's, you know, that's the way things were probably done. But, you know, everyone realises now that, you know, we need to have open communication. Uh, we need to recognise people are different and, and play to each, each person's strengths when it comes to working in the farm business. Exactly. I was actually going to word this towards you, but it might word it towards your clients because it is different and it does change. But how do we determine success as a family farmers out there? What does success look like for different clients of yours? Yeah, look, and, and you're spot on. It's not about me. It's about the client. So, you know, we have had the vision meeting where we ask about, you know, we just ask about the three-year vision for for, your, for the farming family, for them, for their personal life, their, um, you know, their, their farm business, their family, you know, their community, whatever it is they want to bring up, that, you know, what are they looking for and how does it look? If they're three years in the future and they're looking back, how does it look to them? And you're really asking them to, you know, delve into their own mind and think about probably this, and bring out the things that they've been thinking about. And funnily enough, um, you know, you'll have a husband and wife, um in the room and you know one of them will say something and the the other partner the, the husband might say something and the wife will say i've never heard you say that before so you know often these things when you take that step back and have a think yeah. uh, they do come out and it's good that it does come out in one way or another just so everyone sort of knows even within a farming family you'll tell me more so that everyone probably has their own goal in their mind but they haven't put it out on the table um, whether that's to expand or just to consolidate and um, optimise what they're doing or not to expand at all and the kids should look for off-farm sort of income if it's going that sort of way. Um, what's your experience with people and goal setting for different individuals on-farm? Yeah, and look, that's that's what, what that questioning around the three-year vision is designed for because certainly some people are looking for a bigger future in terms of their farm or others are, you know, are really looking at, okay, well, what can we do about retirement planning? Um, you know, what can we do off farm? You know, we're uh, we looking to sell the farm or a portion of the farm and, you know, make things a bit easier for us. Um, so some people are in the sort of wind down mode or, you know, looking to retire. Um, that said, um, I mean, I'm, even though I work in financial planning, um, I'm not a big fan of retirement per se because I feel like if you're doing something that you truly love and this is where it comes into succession planning, uh, you know, why, why, why lose dad off the farm with all his wisdom and fair enough, he might be, mightn't be physically as capable, but as long as you can work to have it together cohesively, if, uh, if mum and dad can continue on the farm and be part of the operation um, and they want to do that, 
because what happens, unfortunately, is if we've got mum and dad who really do love the farm and don't necessarily want to leave and get pushed off, um, yeah, obviously that that's not a not a great result. And look, it's a challenge to be able to to have you know multi generations on one property. Um, but yeah, look, everyone's different, and that's the thing. You know, everyone's got different goals in terms of their goal setting. And um, but yeah, and look, most importantly. It's good to be able to get together and recognise everyone's everyone's got different goals and put them on the table and you know talk about it, communicate. Yeah, I think so. And before you seal the question out of my mouth, before we had to sort of pre-talk about what we're going to talk about in this episode, what's important to the farmers, what your sort of structure is for this as well. You said three-year plan, but let's look at breaking that down. We've got a ten-year, a three-year, and a one-year plan. You just break it down from the top with the 10 years and how that sort of transpires into family farming businesses for success. Look, I suppose the 10 year one is your grand vision. And so, you know, there's the big, hairy, audacious goal, which is from um, Jim Collins, uh, who's a guy from America. And, you know, you can have that grand vision for your business and then, you know, bringing it back. So you're bringing it back from there to three years. What are we looking to achieve? In, in three years, bring it back to one year and then bring it back to uh, either quarters or it might make sense to do it, break the year up into uh, three and have every, you know, four months. And then you're just working back from there to what are your key things you need to do uh, for the, you know, the week, the day, um, focus on your high value activities and really have a think about what it is you need to do. Uh, and there's the other saying, which we hear a lot, is big rocks. So high value activities or big rocks. What are the three things you need to do this week in order to move the needle in the right direction? And how do you think we actually do that? Is it literally sitting down as an individual or the group, the family, whoever wants to be involved in this decision-making process? These big rocks um, determining what they are and the goals you want to get to, how do we get to this? Well, look, I'll just talk about what we do here at LifeSolver. So, look, we have a weekly meeting and that's got an agenda and and each person has their high-value activities. But they we talk about, you know, the grand vision and we talk about, you know, what we're seeking to achieve as a whole for the business. But then everyone's got their own strengths and they've got their own, you know, things that they're doing and so you've got to have your own high value activities that uh, you're you're looking to achieve put those out there and then we do have a daily huddle so in the daily huddle we say look what did you do yesterday what are you doing today uh what are your roadblocks and what support do you need and you know you can do that sort of thing on the farm and look the daily huddle thing um has a place on the farm too and particularly also when it's really busy so when it's busy you need to have more of those huddles in the within the day um you know particularly in a larger uh farming business where you've got you know plenty of people uh you know doing different things so yeah that that's been that's been really helpful for us that's for sure just to and then also just putting things on a on a whiteboard you know having it you know having something having it on a sheet of paper uh, writing things down um you know it's really important to write these things down and have them in front of you Absolutely. And I spoke with Kate Burke previously on the podcast, just writing it down and having a goal 
um, maybe the young young fellas on your farm, your children, don't actually know what the goal is, but that can actually sort of rev them up, get them motivated and excited to sort of work towards that goal. To, if you want to breed more fat lambs, you want to optimize your crop, um, look at a different variety that's drought resistant or rust resistant as such. Um, and then in terms, you can get a better yield from those management decisions. Do you think that by saying what a goal is as a family group and reaching towards that goal, whether that's a weekly, yearly or 10 yearly? Yeah, it, look, it's important to have that, you know, to have that goal and that, you know, it's all part of, you know, the, the key word here is communication. Um, you know, the communication is key and, and, um, and as I say, you know, operating, recognising that it's a business and then, you know, one important element of this is, is if you get onto this early, and you've got the situation where you've got mum and dad and you've got, you know, you know, the, the, the siblings, you know, a couple of boys and a daughter and they haven't got partners at this stage and they're married is, you know, if you can really demonstrate that you're running a business and then when that person comes along, you know, they might be from the city or they might be already from a farming family. But if you can show that you've got structure around your business and you've got a means to separate business from lifestyle, which is what we're talking about today, that's a good way of, you know, making it pretty clear that, you know, we, we've got this business, welcome to the family, we, you know, we want, we want everything to work out. But, you know, our goal is to grow this business and, you know, we can certainly put, in, put things in place in the unlikely event that things don't work out with marriages and all sorts of things. But we've got to have sort of, as part of this, you've got to have contingency plans for, for the things that can happen. Because as I said right at the outset, look, you know, lifestyle and the and, and the farm um you know you it's the the personal side and the business side is so intertwined it's um yeah and that's where you know issues can can happen if things aren't addressed look and i'm, I'm making it sound really easy but it's not <laughs> so it's not easy that definitely is quite the process for probably jumping into the mind of your clients what was their actual decision um about getting outside support about driving their business a little bit further, um, looking at their decision-making process um, for that and why did they come to that sort of way of thinking? Yeah, look, I suppose the thing is, um, you know, the clients have got their accountant, uh, they've got their lawyer, they've got their bank that they're working with, but I suppose I felt like there was, uh, you know, there was an opening for you know, acting as a as a coach, a business coach, if you like, uh, and look, an I'm still an advisor as well, uh, but I feel like there's an opening for that. Certainly there are farmers doing, and they have done programs in the past, like, you know, grazing for profit with RCS. And, uh, you know, I've got clients that have been doing other programs like um, Farm Owners Academy, and, and that's great uh, that, you know, farmers are open to being coached because obviously look you know the, the the parallel that gets drawn the analogy or whatever it gets drawn is is the is the uh, athlete who has the coach well in business uh why don't you have a coach so um you know I, I feel like you know with the people we're working with and partnering with it's not you know me doing it all it's it's done with it's done with you and uh it's there it's a, it's a level of accountability um 
that sort of thing. So um, that's that's how it sort of tends to work and work best, really. So when you're like, if you're listening and you sort of think that you're farming for the lifestyle and you sort of want to shift into the business, making that decision to bring someone else on, what sort of other decisions do they need to make and what should be sort of initialized for those that aren't currently seeking further advice out there? So what do you mean by that? Just yeah, just go a bit more with that, Jack. They're onboarding into like their sort of um, approach by what goals are they needing to set? Do you start with 12-month goals or you start with the big hairy ones? You're looking down 10 years down the track um, and then you sort of backtrack down to three, one year. How does that work? Yeah, we work. You, we, we started at started the you know, furthest out. So, you know, 10 years, if you like, because um, one of the things, <laughs> one of the things we put out there in recent, um, recently we put out an email and things like that was uh, who, who's going to own your farm in 10 years time. And that's not a bad question to ask. And and we got some, yeah, got some feedback around that. And so 10 years is like, hey, well, in 10 years time, where, where do we see ourselves? And let's see, let's work backwards for them from there from that 10 years and um, and then look you just pay, you basically got to take it back to bite sized chunks so there's you know how do you word an elephant yeah. one bite at a time so that that's important exactly and what I'm trying to do with the podcast is sort of actually the functions and everything they need to go through like from having to phone call people um, in there it's great to talk about mindset being successful in farming but actually what's that first step to getting them in there to make that difference. Um, whoever it may be within their community, their um, who they can reach out to as well um, to find out what their goals are as a family, bringing someone in to just that hump, I suppose, on trying to get people over. There's a hump with anything, like buying equipment in agriculture may cost 500 grand or 20 grand. You're still, I'm an owner, like, oh, should I do that? Or should I bring someone on that has the expertise outside of what we do? I think the power of that can really help out a farm, but it's just that that little hump to get across the line at the end. How have you seen that sort of shift and like the expectation? Yeah, no. Also, the farmers on the other side, they're like, oh, wow, this is actually improving what we're doing, our enterprise, and moving it a little bit forward. Yeah, look, uh, the thing is, you know, uh, prior to COVID, I was already using the likes of Zoom, which we're on today, and um, and there was some reluctance around that. You know, there was that expectation that you'd come to the farm, and look, I still come to the farm, but um, certainly with with COVID coming around and the uptake in Zoom, um, you know, some of some of the clients that we're working with, in fact, one of the clients I'm working with. Um, we haven't met at all in person yet. We've done it all over Zoom. So, so my point here, the accessibility to to someone to work alongside in your business is, you know, it's obviously never been better in that respect. With, you know, breaking things down because with without the need for travel. So, that's that's certainly an important element of, you know, re- being able to reach out and and get 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 someone who you can work with. Yeah, definitely. And with that being a bit muddled with the roles within family farms, have you worked with like organizational structure just so there's a bit of protocol there um, of who determining the sort of roles within the relationship? Look, um, that's the whole team part of the equation. And uh, 
it does come up regularly. Um, haven't got to say, haven't had a lot to do it at this stage, but but certainly within my own business um, with team, uh, we use a thing called a Colby A index, um, which comes out of America. It, it's not a personality trait uh, type uh, test that you get your team to do it just tells you how they're wired for work and how you best to deal with them and and it really helps you with the team dynamic there's another tool we can use as we use as well so um the the next step with the farming clients is really yeah and i've spoken to others actually speaking to another advisor yesterday about this about you know the need to to help farmers when it comes to team it's um bringing in new team members uh, who, who, you know, they don't necessarily have to be family and 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 have being able to be in a position where, you know, you're freed up to do the things that you really enjoy doing and not doing the stuff that irritates and annoys you. So, yeah, look, as I say, not haven't done a lot in it, but certainly get, it is raised uh, regularly when I'm talking to farming families. Certainly. And you touched on before about $20 versus $500 jobs. What is this sort of approach and how is that sort of helping farmers get on top of what's most important and what's um, still functionally needing to be done, but leaving it to someone that's probably more suitable or someone that you could, could bring into the family farm? Yeah, look, there's um, there's a term it's called, it's not my term, rugged individualism. So that's where, you know, you're, 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 you're the type of person that says, look, you know, I'm going to, I'll just do the job, but I'm not going to get someone else to do it. No one can do it as good as me. And, you know, and then you just get busy, busier and busier doing all of those things. And like I say, they might be $20 an hour work, but um, you may not be as good at the, at the, that particular job. So there's another concept that I get out of a, a coaching program. I mean, um, and the concept is who, not how, and, and what that's about is you can get really focused on how you're going to get something done and you can procrastinate, not get it done. And um, all you really need to do is find a who to get it done. And that who is someone who can do it better than you. So you're not delegating downwards. You're delegating upwards to someone who is better at doing that than you're doing. And, um, and then back to your you know, $20 an hour versus $500 an hour work. Well, you've just got to find out what it is you're good at. And um, and if you're really good at that, that's worth $500 an hour. And then the other stuff, you know, that sits under that, find the right who's yep. to get that done, either within the farming business or outside of the farming business. Yeah, exactly. And I think as farmers, it's probably quite hard to, remove ourselves from those things that they may be 10, $20 an hour jobs, but we also enjoy it because we've got that passion within farming. Um, like I don't mind sitting behind a mob of sheep, pushing them. It may take me four hours to get them up the laneway, but I've enjoyed that. But maybe that four hours I could have um, sold some more rams or to that sort of scope. How do we actually yes. determine um, when we should sort of bring someone in? Do you think? And look, I suppose you know you can't you can't do it. You know, you, it depends on cost too. I suppose you know you've got to be mindful of that when it comes to these sort of things. But um, what you what you can do is um, and it, you can keep a track. Actually, you know, you can do an activities inventory 
of all of the things you're doing and you might do it for a month or something like that of all the various things you're doing and just write them down on a on a pad you know what it is you're doing and if you want to keep a track of how much time you spent maybe you want to do that and then then you're just really breaking it down into the things that you really do are excited by the things that are irritating you and then you just think okay well what can i what can i delegate you know, what could I want to, well, I'm not sure in farming, what can you automate? What can you eradicate? You know, because sometimes you've got to look at things and go and challenge yourself and ask yourself a question. Oh, I'm doing it this way and the process is this and it's taking us all this time. What can we actually eliminate here as part of what we're doing? So, um, yeah, so that, that that's, that's an important element of it as well. Yeah, I think, and COVID sort of brought this on a little bit quicker, I believe. Technology-wise, farms are a bit more abrupt with what's going on, especially Zoom calls I've experienced. Um, but actually finding out what we can delegate, what we can automate, um, can really improve that farms, the farmer's experience and give them the ability to go away and work on these jobs, go into town, talk to the professional services they may need to, and find those opportunity gaps within farming. I think there's a fair few out there that People are leaving money on the table, but they just need to sort of discover these on on their own or with um, professional services to help them get across that hump. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Exactly. And speaking of opportunity gaps, what to become successful, what sort of opportunity gaps do you see with your clients and what are they looking for? What questions are they raising or what questions aren't they raising? Uh, look, I suppose in terms of opportunities, actually, that's that's like as part of our questioning, we did talk about um, uh, three-year vision and we talk about what are the dangers, risks, uh, uh, you know, in your future, what are the opportunities for your future and then what are your strengths? So, yeah, opportunity certainly does play into this and so uh, the opportunity is is not up to me, it's up to the farming family and and it and it does vary, but certainly there is opportunities uh, within the confines of, of of where they are now. And that is, you know, can we lift our productivity by twenty percent? How do we do that? You know, can we rather than looking across the fence and spending, um, you know, twenty thirty thousand dollars a cow area for yeah. for more grazing country? What can we do on our current farm? Uh, to increase the number of cows that we can run or the number of trade steers we can run on the farm. What can we do there? And then, look, obviously the same goes in a, in a cropping uh, scenario as well. You know, how can we lift the, the productivity of our country? Um, you know, the challenges are obviously with input costs uh, have gone up significantly. Um, those sorts of things. So, yeah, that, those sorts of opportunities. And then also opportunities around, um, you know, what could we do off-farm? So, uh, you know, the point I'd make there is that, you know, it's incredible the the turnaround since the drought in terms of the numbers I'm seeing uh, in terms of the, the profits and the cash flow being generated from, from these, you know, large farming businesses. So, you know, certainly... There's an opportunity to pay down debt. Um, there's, you know, there's sizable debt there, and it'd, it'd be nice to pay that down. And there's certainly opportunity to do things off farm, because if we swing back into succession planning, estate planning, those sorts of things, 
Um, not everyone wants to be the far on the farm. Uh, you know, what can we do in terms of planning for the future around succession? Because it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> you know, we have to plan this out. It's going to take years to sort sort something out so that we can do do things either fairly or equitably. And look, I'm I'm not here telling the farmers whether it has to be fair or equitable. It's up to them because everyone's got different thoughts on this. Some like just want it to be fair. But others will say, look, I want between my three kids to be it to be equitable when it comes to succession. Also, the other opportunity, I suppose, is just to bear in mind, and this is more shorter term, is that, you know, if come out of drought, things are good. What can we do in terms of putting something aside, uh, you know, for emergency, just, you know, it just when that next drought comes along or that ne next disaster comes along? So, you know, we do work around tax planning and obviously when it comes to tax planning, there can be money spent without giving too much thought to uh, uh, the, you know, the ramifications of that. And look, I respect the need to, to minimise tax. No one wants to pay too much, but, you know, are there things that we could do to set aside funds um, for, you know, for something that we might, you know, be looking for in our future? Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a, lot that encompasses um a lot of elements that encompass this sort of looking to farm success isn't there a lot of elements that go on to play on different levels of success throughout the family farms um we won't be able to touch on all of them today but it's great to be able to dive into what we're doing as farmers and what others out there within your region may be as well but before we get into the next one off farm income um what are successful farmers sort of doing with this and how that plays a role in succession planning, um, whether it's fairly or equitable, like you said before? Yeah, look, uh, we do, we are working with farming families that do have um, off-farm investments. Um, look, obviously, I often hear, you know, my farm's my superannuation, um, but that's all very well and good because, unfortunately, what will happen at the end of the day is that if, if, if nothing's been done about retirement planning in terms of putting money aside, um, mum and dad may still be reliant on the farm when they come to retire and too often that we see that happen. So, you know, what sort of planning can be done in terms of retirement planning uh, for, you know, for mum and dad? And if they do stay on the farm, as I said earlier, how can we make that work? Or, you know, if they decide to move to town, you know, we've got to buy a house in town and uh, regional property prices have gone up. Um, so those sorts of things need to be accounted for. And so, you know, when it comes to succession, yeah, often we can just focus in on straight, go straight to the kids and what's going on with them for succession. But, we, you know, we need to think about mum and dad and then, yeah, of course, think about the kids that they're coming through and communicate, you know, have, have family discussions around it and, and then look, in order to make it work, it's not much. It's not going to work if you've got nothing to support it. So, um, and that's where I suppose the off-farm type of thing comes in. But um, yeah, it's it's a hard one because what I'm seeing at the moment is you know when it comes to investing because we you know, we're seeing what's happening with share markets at the moment and the returns haven't been so great. And the flip side of that is you look at what's happening to land prices and 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 so in the farmer's mind, it's like, well, why would I want to put money off farm? But look, yeah, I suppose you've got to think about the long-term returns. And, and look, as I said earlier, as we said earlier, 
it's not all just about the money and returns and growing your wealth. It's about, you know, what can we do to ensure that we have the best possible lifestyle for everyone in the family? And, uh, and so that's obviously really important. Yeah, absolutely. And with each family, that sort of success, um, what success means to them is a lot different. The, the success of a family staying together um, after its succession plan, um, that's one way to measure that and moving forward. And so you have some scope um, for the next generation coming through. But I think everyone sort of focuses on leaving it better for the next generation. But there's a lot, a lot of work that we can be doing. This generation isn't there to be able to set that up um, moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, as I say, it's, um, and I suppose coming back to, you know, having a 10 year vision um, or even beyond that, 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 that just really helps you recognize that, you know, it's just going to take time and, and look back to the opportunities as well, given, you know, the, the, the money being made at the moment. Um, I mean, not everyone is, but, you know, certainly I'm seeing plenty of it. Um, it's a good opportunity to start doing something, uh, and again, in setting money aside and, you know, investing or putting money into superannuation and all those sorts of things um, whilst you can. Yeah, definitely. And I think these episodes are great just to give the farmers a toggle to think about um, what the opportunities are for themselves out there and even for ourselves as farmers as well. But before we go, Matt, what would be your one piece of farm's advice to move towards that farm success for the individual, it may mean a little bit different, but what would be that overall overstanding? I suppose, look, the thing is really to take action because I, I recognise this is a common thing, you know, and even for myself, you you get busy in your day-to-day working on the farm yeah. and, you know, it's, it is a busy, you know, there's lots to do. Um, you know, I've got harvest coming up. That'll be busy. It's going to be challenging <laughs> given the weather, but... Uh, taking that step back from the day-to-day to to think about, you know, your future, where you're going, what you're seeking to achieve, you know, what is your vision for the future, what are your goals, just, you know, taking action on that is, is, you know, is important and, look, obviously often it doesn't happen and it just gets put on the back burner and, you know, I suppose with what we're doing at LifeSolver, we recognise that. It's, it's not, you know, I'm not criticising. I suppose we're just uh, p- providing that opportunity to, to, you know, book in a time, think about your vision, get it down on paper, have a record of it, what action we need to take, what are the priorities and that we need to achieve over the next 12 months, say. And, uh, yeah, I suppose that's what I, ta- I you know, have, have you guys take away. Yeah, beautifully put, and I think that's a common trend is take action now and probably start a little smaller than you first. Your expectations are for planning. You don't want to plan for a whole day every week. Start with 15 minutes, 30 minutes sort of meetings with yourself in your notebook or online um, and how that may work out, and you can sort of um, translate that into the team and the roles um, to create that farmer's success and turn your lifestyle into an agribusiness um, and generate um generate generational wealth as well absolutely well matt thank you very much for coming on to the podcast sharing some of your farm's advice for anyone that's looking to solve their life at life solver um or just get a bit of expertise a 15 minute call or something how can they do that with you 
Well, they can find us on the website, Life Solver. So that's life, the word, S-O-L-V-E-R.com.au. And you, if, if you like, you can, um, you, can, you can sign up to our Life Solver Learnings. Yep. Or, and if you like, there is a button on the website where you can book a 15-minute call uh, with myself. And, uh, you know, there might be a surprise that you get out of that call. Amazing, Matt. Well, take action if you're looking to go down that realm. Um, I'll have these all in the show notes anyway, so anyone listening will be able to find these in your podcast player, wherever you are. That's great. You can't actually see what I'm wearing for every conversation, but be sure I'm wearing a Farms of Ice Green, as I like to call it, kindly supplied by Stockman & Co. By the farmers for the land. Jason team over there do a stellar job, so check them out at stockmanandco.com. Get some quality work shirts, footy shorts, hats and more for this summer. Make sure you use the discount code that they supply just for Farms Vice listeners. Farms Vice 10. Make sure you get into it. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the farm's advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farm's Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.